Friends, this morning, as Carly said, we, we wrap up the sermon series, the stories we thought we knew. And we have a look at, at Adam and Eve. And, and this morning, I, I just want to just share a thought that's been running through my mind in preparation for today as I've been reflecting on, on the story that I thought I knew, Adam and Eve. And, and what I want to say is that I've discovered that this story is not only about sin and disobedience. There's a whole lot more to the story that we thought we knew. Have you ever thought that there is more to this Adam and Eve story? That there's more to forbidden fruit, the tree of good and evil, fig leaves to cover up what has to be covered up? You see, the story of Adam and Eve, for me, is about... The, the most single most important issue in life. The story is about the single most important thing in life. It's a story of love. And I say it's a story of love because this story has an amazing lesson for us to learn that love lasts. That love lasts. Let's just get some context. So when we look at Scripture, we discover that there are two versions of the Adam and Eve narrative. In Genesis 1, uh, from 1 to the beginning of, of chapter 2, we know that God on the sixth day of creation created all living creatures, and in His own image He made both male and female. And then God blessed the couple, and he told them to go and be fruitful and multiply, and he gave them dominion over all living things. That's the first time we pick up the story of Adam and Eve. And, but there is a lengthier narrative that we find in Genesis 2 and Genesis 4, that God created Adam at a time when the earth was still void, forming him from the earth's dust, and breathing into his nostrils the breath of life. And then God then gave Adam the garden of Eden, and he said, go and look after it, go and tend to it. And he commanded him not to eat the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And then, so that Adam would not be alone, God created other animals. But finding these insufficient, he put Adam to sleep, took from him a rib and created a new companion, Eve. And the two of them were filled with innocence until Eve yielded to the temptations of the evil serpent. And Adam joined her in eating. It is here, in this moment of weakness, they both recognized their nakedness and found good use for those fig leaves to cover everything up. But as we look at the story that we thought we knew, I want to add another aspect to it. Another aspect to the beginning of humankind, this narrative that you and I know. And so I'm going to have a look at just two scripture readings this morning. The first one will come up on the screen that really offers us a glimpse of Adam's life story, his genealogy, Genesis 5 verses 1 to 5. And so this is what is written of Adam's family line. When God created mankind, 
he made them in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them. And he named them mankind when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness, in his own image, and he named him Seth. After Seth was born, Adam lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Adam lived a total of 930 years, and then he died. And so we give thanks to God for this first scripture reading this morning. And so as I read that, I wondered, how did Adam live? For so many years. I don't think you ever had to watch the Springboks in a World Cup. Maybe time was calculated differently in the Genesis era than before the Noah and the Flood uh, era that we, we spoke about last week. 930 years is the Bible's way of affirming Adam's life story. But as I read that, I realized something. But what about Eve? What about Eve? And so I did what people my age do. We go to Facebook and then we go to Google. And I typed in Eve in the Bible images to see if I could discover anything about why this is. And when you try and search for Eve in the Bible images on the internet, it is almost impossible to find a picture of Eve or a painting that doesn't include either an apple, the forbidden fruit, or the serpent. And so you might conclude that the only significant aspect of Eve is that she brought sin into the world. But I don't support this view. I don't support this view. I believe the story of Adam and Eve is a story of love. And that both Adam and Eve have so much to offer us when it comes to living a life of love. You see, the Bible says nothing about Eve dying. Have you ever noticed that? The Bible says nothing about Eve dying. It speaks about all the other heroes in Genesis, about their death. Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the deaths of all of their wives Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel even Leah Jacob's unloved first wife is honored in her death it speaks of Noah and Joseph and Moses and Moses' brother Aaron even Moses' sister Miriam but it doesn't speak of Eve or never describes Eve's dying and so perhaps in a way, this is a way of giving her special honor. See, remember the name that Adam gave her, Eve. It means mother of all life. Some translations say mother of all living. And so the mother of all living perhaps goes on living and living and living. Maybe that's why we don't read of Eve's death. I want to take us back to the traditional second narrative of Adam and Eve, the longer narrative. We find that the forbidden fruit had been eaten, it's been shared. The consequences have been described. 
And so how do and how will Adam and Eve respond? And we pick up the story on the screen, Genesis 3, verse 22. And so this happens just after they've now eaten the fruit. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So we give thanks to God for those words. So for most of history, we've been taught that the story of Adam and Eve is all about a stern lesson. Those lessons are do as you're told. Be grateful for what you already have. Know your limits. Know your boundaries. Live in a world of boundaries. Follow the rules or get out of the way. These are generally the themes that come out as we reflect on the story of Adam and Eve. But I wonder this morning if we are ready to hear about something else about these first two humans. Something else that we can find in the story we thought we knew. And I want to say I wonder if, if we are willing just to recognize that the first story in the Bible is about the most important issue in life. The Bible begins with what we need most. How to live a life of love. If we look at our world today, there is so much loneliness. There is so much division. There is so much hate. If we can turn to Scripture and we are willing to notice that there is a, a way for us to live a life of love, I think loneliness can become togetherness. We can move from being undivided to being united. We can move from a world that is filled with hate to being a world that is filled with love. The most important issue in life is not about the traditional narrative that we believe in, that, that the story of Adam and Eve is all about guilt and punishment. I think the most important gift and the most important skill in life is not only how to obey the rules, but it's how to build relationships of love. And so for me, the story of Adam and Eve is is not just about sin. It's not just about disobedience. It's not just about the squandering of opportunity and ruining life for the rest of us. The story is also about love. It's about tenacity. It's about bouncing back from calamity. It's about demonstrating resilience. I think that's what we find when we dig a little deeper into the story we thought we knew. So when we read the story of Adam and Eve and we are open to the idea that it might be about love, we find some surprising things. I think the first thing we find is we learn that God did not want to come into this world any other way other than through a relationship of love. 
God didn't want to draw near to humanity in any other way other than through a home. Because God is all about relationship. And you see, that's why from the very beginning, God said in Genesis 1, it is not good for one to be alone. See, God is all about good things. When we read Genesis 1, the familiar creation, the familiar creation story, we pick up that God uses the word good seven times. Seven times does he affirm that things are good. And the words not good only appear once in the creation story. But those two words not good, they appear one other time in the whole of Genesis. And it's much later when Moses is told that it is not good for him to go and lead alone. But somehow when I look at our world and our communities, we want to be alone. We don't let people in. We want to do things on our own strength. We want to live alone. We want to build up these barricades physically around our properties. We build up barricades over our hearts. Those relationships, when people come knocking on the door, we reject, reject them because we want to be alone. But as God said to Moses and he says to us, it is not good to be alone. And so the fundamental, fundamental message of Adam and Eve is that you and I have to find a way to bridge the loneliness in the world the loneliness in our lives, the loneliness in our relationships. So many are lonely. Maybe as you sit here this morning, you're feeling lonely. We can sit in a room full of people, but we can still somehow feel lonely. So many in our lives know what it is to be unhappy I think the lesson of Adam and Eve and this focus on love is calling us to build a bridge build a bridge the story of Adam and Eve is not only about sin and disobedience and so today I want us to restore the idea that our lives that their life was all about relationships. Because I think when we do that, when we, when we take relationships seriously, maybe we'll give more of ourselves to our own relationships. And looking at Adam and Eve, we've got a good example of what that means. First of all, love that lasts is more than just gazing into each other's eyes. When we look at Adam and Eve in the garden, they gazed into each other's eyes and Adam wrote poetry and, and this was the early stages and it was exhilarating and exciting. But later this love that they had, it grew into something richer. You see, to love someone is not just about a strong feeling. It's about a decision. It's about a promise. The Bible uses the word covenant. The word covenant appears 
314 times in Scripture. It's such an old, old-fashioned word. As I was thinking about it, I thought I can just imagine if I said to my wife, Babe, I covenant you. I think she'll probably clap me over the head. See, but the truth is that covenant is at the real core of real love. Now, I live in a house with four girls. And every now and then I have to watch these soppy Netflix series. I haven't learned to take back the control just yet. I'm trying. You know those series where, where couples find each other, there's always something that goes wrong, and eventually they end up there, and they fall in love, and they live happily ever after. But that stuff doesn't happen in real life. You see, falling is misleading. Falling is easy. But standing and staying, that takes work. See, failing is just a reaction. It's something that happens to us. But standing and staying requires effort. And so when we say we want to fall in love, what we really want to do is stand in love. And so Adam and Eve, they decide to stay together. When Eve eats the forbidden fruit and she gains wisdom, She could have gone and established a life on her own. Instead, she returns to Adam. Adam could have separated from her when he learned what she had done. But he doesn't. He joins her. And he participates with her. When they were expelled from Eden, they could have gone their separate ways. Eve could have said, I'm going east and Adam, you go west and I'll see you when I see you. But they didn't. They stayed together. They could have separated forever after losing a child. But they stayed together and they had another child. And so what the story that we thought we knew is telling me about love is that love is not about happily ever after. Love is not about avoiding hardship or overcoming it. It's not about being problem-free, but it's about working through problems. Scripture tells us in the New Testament, love bears all things. Love is hard. In fact, love grows in struggle. And so describing the consequences of their eating that fruit, God tells Adam, by the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food. And God tells Eve, that having children will be a painful experience. And in the aftermath of their disobedience, in the grip of both the struggle and the danger in the face of darkness, it is God who still chooses to clothe them and love them anyway. It is God's love that steps in in a time of trouble. Friends, it is in real love that we pay attention to one another. It's in real love where we can look deep within each other's spirits and and recognize what we see and what we know. It's in real love that we can find the positive, the long-lasting love. Those things that we become aware of when we spend time and invest in relationships. 
we find the good qualities. We don't just see the bad stuff. You see, real love is enduring love. On the 2nd of October, we celebrated 19 years of marriage, and it's been an incredible journey to spend 19 years with my soulmate. But I know that's got nothing in comparison to Adam and Eve's 930 years, but we will get there. We're working on it. You see, enduring love, it's about valuing relationship. It's about valuing friends, especially those friendships where you've been on a hell of a journey together. Enduring love is giving thanks and appreciating what it is to be a church family like this, a church family who share life together, a family who endure transition, who endure new songs that we learn together, who participate in new programs we've never seen before. It's about staying together and loving one another because that's at the center of what it is to be a church. Because it is love that will get us through to the end of the road. Friends, in closing, the story we thought we knew, Adam and Eve, it is in one sense a story about sin and disobedience. But more importantly, it is a story about love, a story of grace and compassion and mercy. You see, friends, God is the one who finds us, who restores us. And each one of us needs to hear this today. That there really is nothing that you and I that 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 you and I have ever done that will be able to separate us from the love of God. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Not only will we be free in the future when we realize that, but in fact we will be free right now when we accept it for ourselves. And that means you and I can live in this freedom every day for the rest of our lives and into eternity. Because we've connected the dots and we've claimed for ourselves that God's grace will always be sufficient for us. That God's mercy will always be sufficient for us. And that God's love will always be sufficient for us. And so my prayer is for us, Northfield, may you and I experience love today and believe it. Will you experience the love of God and believe it? Will you forgive yourself and not let your conscience tell you that you are not loved because it is a lie? Adam and Eve's life story is not about sin and obedience. It's about the love of God that never let them go. Your story and my story is not about what we've done. It will always be about God's grace, His mercy, and His love that is offered to us. And once you and I truly embed the love of God in our hearts, and we place it in there never to let it out, and we recognize the gift that God's love is, I promise you, your life and my life will never ever be the same again. And so as we go from this time of worship, my prayer is, that you and I will recognize that we are part of God's great love story. 
But God loves us just as we are. Our lives are not about our stories, our shortcomings, our failures. It's all about how much God loves us. And we can see that when we look at how Adam and Eve stuck it together, when everything seemed to be against them, and, and for 2,000 years we've been, been hearing and reading about sin and obedience being their identity. But I'm glad today we've discovered that there is a real love story that runs within the story we thought we knew. Amen. Will you pray with me? God, we just can't comprehend how deep your love is for us. We can't comprehend that you chose relationships to be at the center of life. Relationships with one another, relationships with you, relationships with Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, relationships with the broken world. But forgive us in those moments where relationships have excluded love. We pray that as we go from this place today, that, that Holy Spirit, you would guide us and lead us and remind us that sin and disobedience is not part of our story only. We claim it, we confess it. But the way forward for us is knowing that we are loved unconditionally that God is the one who writes our story, that our story will be one of revival and redemption, a story that will take us into every tomorrow to spend eternity with Jesus Christ. And so we thank you, God, for this series we've been on for a couple of weeks on the stories we thought we knew. We thank you that your Spirit has used familiar stories to open our minds a little more and to acknowledge how you are busy in our lives and in our world. And so we offer this prayer today in the beautiful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.